Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from the Rogers Center in Toronto. It's the Cleveland Guardians 5, the Toronto Blue Jays 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And boy, a really fun baseball game, at least from Cleveland's perspective, to kick off this series north of the border. The Guardians kind of do it all, right? They they kind of get it working in all facets of the game. They uh, they get a really solid starting pitching performance from Tanner Bybee. They get a really solid pitching performance from our top three guys in our bullpen. And we out-homer the uh, Toronto Blue Jays in their stadium. So uh, especially we make it count with uh, you know a crooked number home run whereas uh, they've got a pair of uh, solo home runs to show for it. So, uh, and, and on top of that, uh, some great defense, uh, throwing out a runner at the plate. Big moment. In fact, both teams end up throwing out a runner at a plate, which is pretty crazy. They kind of happen fairly close to each other in the game. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's kind of crazy to have two plays at the plate like that and uh, the defense winning both of them. Now, uh Okay, let's get it out of the way really quick. Let's talk about the two plays at the plate. Uh, Marlon uh, emailed in, and he had some concerns about what was Quan doing rounding second base. He said the only issue was Quan getting thrown out at home in the third inning. I like Sarbaugh's aggression by sending Quan home, but upon looking at the replay, Quan cost the team a run by looking back a couple of times as he was running to second base. I don't understand why he was looking back because there were two outs, and he should be watching the third base coach to signal for him to keep running or stop. Quan's awesome throw made up for this error. So, yeah, so it does, on the replay, it does look like Quan was checking back, which, I mean, it's it's only human to see where the ball is going, I guess, right? It, it's only human to see, did the ball get through? But it does seem to take a long time uh, deciding what to do rounding second base, which, uh, oh, okay, prob- probably costs him, probably costs him in the long run. You've heard me say that Quan... Quan might be the best on our team at scoring from first. Um, he's done it so many times this season. And I agree. The Starball made the right call to send him. And with with a, a good slide, Quan actually would have been safe. For some reason, Alejandro Kirk really thought he had to like slap the tag on Quan. I mean, he spun wildly to get that tag on him. In fact, Showing almost a veteran presence, Bo Naylor later in the game when he's tagging Vladimir Guerrero Jr. doesn't do that. Doesn't swipe wildly. Now, it might have helped that the throw was coming from left instead of the throw coming from right, where his back was to the play for Kirk. But, I mean, Kirk takes a wild swing at Quan with his glove and totally whiffs him. And, unfortunately, I'm not going to blame Quan for the slide. You can blame Quan for the for hesitating around second base and what he was looking at and what was going on there, but not for the slide. Like it's just, it's just bad luck. It's just bad luck to to you're you're trying to avoid the tag. You're trying to slide in a little bit high to kind of swim over that tag, and he just overslides the home plate and just can't catch the corner of the plate. It's just human nature. It's just bad luck. Um. But then, yeah, the, the opposite happens for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It's a double into the corner, I believe, by Chapman. And uh, 
he's flying around third. They send him, and Quan just makes a perfect relay throw, digs it out cleanly from the corner, makes a perfect relay throw to Arias. Arias has a rocket of an arm. He fires a strike home to Bo Naylor, who does a great job of not panicking, not rushing, and slapping that tag right on the meaty thigh of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and getting that tag on before the foot can hit home plate. Clear call for the umpire. He's out. No review, no challenge or anything like that. Everybody saw it pretty clear as day. So uh, we do make up for it with a nice relay throw home ourselves. So some good defense uh, on top of everything else for the Guardians. So let's get into this. Let's get into the offense a little bit first because three home runs from your Cleveland Guardians. Not a normal day from your Cleveland Guardians. The thing I like the most in this day uh, is that the hitters seem to be taking what they were getting and, uh, you know, putting some good swings on it. Uh, not too many guys. I would say Ramirez did kind of reach across the plate and pull a uh, a 3-1 curveball down the first baseline. Uh, that was the hit that Quan uh, got thrown out at home plate for. Uh, he did come across to the outside edge of the plate and pull it, but the curveball slows the bat down and allows him to pull that thing. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez's double was on a sinker, so a fastball uh, down at his thighs, kind of low. It was basically middle of the plate, and he does pull that one too. Um, but then he also has a single on an inside sinker. So he does he does chase in the first inning, or in the second inning, Chases an absolutely awful sweeper way off the plate. I mean, a couple feet off the plate to strike out in the second inning. But he does course correct. And the next three balls that he puts in play, he, he does kind of cut the plate in half. He does take advantage of some inside pitches and get a couple of base hits, including the double on this day. Uh, Andres Jimenez, the, the home run he hits in the eighth inning, is an inside fastball middle of the plate. 100-mile-per-hour fastball that he turns on and hits it back out at 108.8. I believe, yes, the hardest-hit ball of the entire day. But turning on an inside pitch, and and I mean with incredible bat speed, and firing it, a missile out to, uh, out to right field for the home run. Ramon Laureano, uh, I like this. So the fastball that he hits for the home run is kind of up in a way. Uh, on StatCast here, it looks more middle of the plate, but in real life, it felt pretty up and away, and he does. He drives it out to uh, right center field, and so does a good job of going with the pitch from Bassett. And then the uh, the uh, double he hits off Bassett, the RBI double, is on an inside sweeper uh, that comes back over the inside corner of the plate, so he takes an inside pitch and pulls it down the left field line. So again, Good job by Ramon Laureano going with what he's got. And then Bo Naylor is our last one. Uh, the home run he hits off of uh, Bassett is an inside sinker. I believe, uh, I remember looking at the matchup for this, and he had thrown him two high sinkers and then comes inside. And just like his brother, just like his brother, if you miss inside to a Naylor brother, they're going to crush the ball. I mean, how many times have we seen Josh finally get something inside, a mistake pitch inside, and turn on it and drive it into the right field seats. Bo Naylor does that on a 2-0 count here in the third inning and drives it almost to the exact same spot George Springer hit his home run 
uh, into that bullpen out there in right center field. So a good job by these Guardians hitters of handling some inside pitches and uh, driving them really hard and then, you know, taking some outside pitches and doing the right thing with them. Doing the right thing with them. So I like it. I like the uh, approach by the Guardians hitters tonight against Bassett, who throws a ridiculous amount of pitches. Like, just absolutely ridiculous amount of pitches. Uh, Bassett, let's see, did he use his whole arsenal tonight? You got 35 sinkers, 20 cutters, 13 curveballs, 12 four-seamers, 8 splitters, 7 sweepers, 3 sliders, and 2 change-ups. My God, that man throws a lot of pitches. And usually it works to keep hitters off balance. It looked like that in the beginning of the game, right? It looked like that. He kind of works his way through the lineup uh, pretty calmly in the first three innings, right? One, two, three in the first, including a strikeout of Calhoun. Uh, strikes out Gonzalez way off the plate and then gets a pop out and a ground out in the second. Uh, strikes out Gabriel Arias to start the third before Bo Naylor uh, ties the game up with that home run. So, And then in the third, we also have the Quan single and the Jose Ramirez double. So they got to him in that third. They did. That second time through the lineup, it did not go very smoothly for Chris Bassett. The second time through the lineup also includes Oscar Gonzalez's single and Ramon Laureano's two-run home run. Uh, so, yeah. So, they uh, they kind of got to him the second time through that lineup, uh, which is nice to see. So, a good offensive day for your Cleveland Guardians. And you mix that with the great starting pitching. That is the winning combination. That, that is... Uh, that's what we wanted to see all season from these Cleveland Guardians, right? This is five runs is enough. With this pitching staff, five runs is enough. But you got to be able to get those four or five runs. Uh, so we're not, you know, uh, Marlon makes the joke, uh, eat your heart out, Atlanta Braves. The Guardians took a page out of Atlanta's playbook by hitting three homers tonight. Uh, it was a nice response after getting roughed up in yesterday's doubleheader. By Hollywood, by the L.A. Dodgers, uh, Marlon's referring to. So he makes a joke that, yeah, eat your heart out, Atlanta Braves. You know, it wasn't exactly. We don't have to score as many runs as the Atlanta Braves do because we got this pitching staff. But it is nice to see them go out there and score, a, you know, a decent amount. Look like a, a, an actual major league offense and uh, give their pitching staff a chance to win the game. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the offense on this day. On the other side of things, the pitching staff, yes, Tanner Bybee, I'm not going to say great, but definitely solid. Definitely solid. Uh, I mean, you don't want to see your starting pitcher give up two home runs, but if he has to, he makes some solo home runs. I think it was interesting that George Springer got the home run off him uh, to kick things off for the scoring in the second inning. Uh, Springer, if you remember, when we were playing in Cleveland, uh, Bybee and Naylor combined to get that nasty strike out of George Springer where it was slider away, slider away, slider away, slider away, and then boom, they dropped a, a changeup on the inside corner and just absolutely froze him, absolutely locked him up. So, I, you know, we all remember that strikeout, and so then Springer gets a little bit of revenge here. Uh, they didn't throw many sliders in that at-bat. I believe it was a couple of curveballs uh, mixed in there in that at-bat. Uh, let me go back to the pitch types here. Oh, it was fastballs. It was fastballs. It was fastballs away. They do throw him one slider way off the plate that uh, he doesn't have to worry about. They were trying to get some fastballs away. They had fallen behind in the count, 3-0. and 
Uh, they throw a fastball down the middle to make it a 3-1 count. And then tries to go back and hit that outside edge, which he was trying to hit all at bat with the fastball. And Springer was ready. Lifts in a pitch on the black on the outside edge of the plate. But it's up. It's elevated. And he lifts it 97.7 mile per hour exit velocity. 34 degree launch angle. 360 for a home run for George Springer. His 16th on the season. Um, so, yeah. So, Bybee was living in the strike zone all day and it's it's no surprise that even his strikeouts all come inside the strike zone all five of his strikeouts come via i believe swinging strikes all in the strike zone uh he's got a forcing fastball kind of right down the middle to george springer that he strikes him out in the fourth he's got a curveball uh, that he drops at the top of the zone for matt chapman that was the only called strike Strikeout on a 2-2 pitch. He just drops a curveball at the top of the zone that locks up Chapman. Uh, he gets Varsho uh, chasing a four-seam fastball at the top of the zone in the second inning. He's got Bo Bichette on a slider uh, in the fifth inning. This was a big strikeout. He strikes out Chapman and uh, Bichette back-to-back to end the fifth inning. Um, it's on the outside edge of the plate, up elevated slider uh, that he gets him to swing through. And I believe that caused Bichette to slam his bat in the ground. So that's fun. Uh, and then a, a changeup to Whit Merrifield. In, oh, I'm sorry. Whit Merrifield and uh, Bichette, back-to-back strikeouts. Merrifield was chasing on a uh, 2-2 changeup down around the thighs. Not even at the knees. Not even at the bottom of the strike zone. At the thighs. So all five of his strikeouts come in the strike zone. And every hit he gave up comes in the strike zone. Uh, including the big blast of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., where he hangs him a changeup at the thighs. And Guerrero doesn't miss this one. Hits at 108 miles per hour, uh, over 400 feet. Uh, It was the furthest hit ball of the day, 422 feet out to left center field. So Guerrero, who apparently had been in a bit of a home run slump, gets one here off of Bybee. So not a perfect day for Bybee, but he did his thing. He pounded the strike zone. He was aggressive. And it paid off. I mean, even the fact that the strikeouts were in the strike zone. uh, He stuck to his game plan. He stayed aggressive. And it worked for him. And it's because of it, he doesn't have a super high whiff rate. It's only a 26% whiff rate. Most of them coming, frankly, on the four-seam fastball. Um, He did have 22 called strikes. So that's nice. Makes a 34% CSW total on the day there for him. So, uh, yeah, a pretty good day. Uh, this is interesting. On the four-seam fastball, the uh, the in-the-zone contact rate on his four-seam fastball was only 69%. I told you, he got a couple swings and miss, six, six whiffs on that four-seam fastball. So even in the strike zone, uh, he was getting it past him. His fastball that hit 90, um, average 94.1, max at 96.3, uh, he was getting it past him in the strike zone, a 69% contact rate in the strike zone. Uh, so good stuff from Tanner Bybee. And then uh, the bullpen goes to work behind him. Uh, De Los Santos had the swing and miss going. A 71% whiff rate for him. Five whiffs on seven swings. So he was getting the swing and miss. Uh, the splitter for Trevor Steffen was very good. Uh, they couldn't touch that on uh, two swings. They whiffed both times. Uh, and then Classe, uh, a decent whiff rate on that cutter. Three whiffs on seven swings. But I love the one, uh, the one slider that they put in play, um, the one slider that they swing at. 
is the final pitch of the game. He's got uh, he's got Kirk in an 0-2 count uh, after uh, after some cutters, one on the outside edge, one on the inside edge. They're both called a strike. And then he on an 0-2 count, he's in protect mode, and he chases that slider down and away, almost buried on the outside corner of the plate, and grounds out a great stop by Andres Jimenez, moving to his right, catching it, firing back. Um, a great defensive play by Andres Jimenez there to end things. And, you know, we talked about Classe's slider, right? He's gotten into trouble when he's left that slider in the plate, in the middle of the plate, when he hasn't reached across to that outside edge. So it's nice to see him bury the slider down and away here and make Kirk take a terrible swing to end the game. So a really, really solid pitching performance all around there. So when you're cooking, when you got all three facets of the game working like that, uh, it's a really fun baseball team. Uh, Again, this lineup is strange. It's bizarre. I thought Gonzalez was going to have a really bad game after that first strikeout. Like I... I was ready to look at Guardians Twitter and see all the I'm done with Oscar Gonzalez tweets, but uh, he does. He kind of rebounds and has himself a good offensive game, a multi-hit game for Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, Jimenez with that home run, again, that that home run late, it was a nice insurance run, but it's just nice to see that swing from Andres Jimenez. That was the swing that propelled him to the All-Star game last year. And I know some people have kind of settled on Andres Jimenez of being like, look, if he could just be an average hitter and play phenomenal defense, he could continue to be our second baseman for the long time. I still think he can get back to being that all-star level hitter. I still think that's inside of him, and I think this swing here in the eighth inning is the perfect example of that. So I I have some high hopes for a bounce-back season next year from Andres Jimenez to maybe get back in that all-star conversation. Remember, he was in the MVP conversation last year. Uh, Ramon Laureano, who wasn't supposed to play, uh, Brennan was a late scratch, um, not a major industry in, uh, not a major injury. Uh, I think he was just dealing with something that was barking a little bit. And so Ramon Laureano surprise goes in there and ends up with three RBIs, uh, basically wins the game for us. So, you know, while we're here, while we're talking about him, I think I got to give MVP on the day, even though. He uh, I, he made that terrible error in the Dodgers series. He comes back here and bounces back with a really strong offensive day. Two extra base hits, the homer and the double. Uh, three RBIs. Him and Oscar Gonzalez, you know, combined for three runs because uh, Gonzalez was the guy on base uh, for the home run and also on base when he drove him in with the double. So uh, a good job in the in the middle of the lineup showing up for Cleveland. I'm I'm shocked. Um, so, uh, good day for Ramon Laureano. I think we got to give him MVP on the day, right? I think he earned it. Uh, rough day for Gabriel Arias going over four with two strikeouts, but does play some good defense. Um, and then Bo Naylor with that hometown solo home run, right? Popped the home crowd. His family was going nuts. Uh, returning where he played, you know, in these like elite showcase games, when he was a youth in Toronto, returning to the Rogers Center. So it's nice to see him get that moment uh, in the third inning, that nice big solo home run uh, to tie the game up there in the third and get, you know, really get Cleveland's offense going. Uh, like I said, Bassett was kind of locked in until that moment. Bassett didn't give up many hard hit balls. Uh, we didn't even get to the lines for the pitchers here. 
Bassett goes five and two-thirds, gives up seven hits, four runs, two walks, five strikeouts as well for him. Uh, Bybee had five as well. And two home runs given up on 100 pitches. He's only hard hit three times. Three times, but it's enough. It's enough. Um, I'm guessing two of them were probably those home runs that he gave up. So, uh, yeah, they get to Bassett. He, He looks really comfortable to start that game, doesn't he? And then the Guardians quickly make it uncomfortable for him, uh, scoring in the third and the fourth inning. So, great job. Great job. I had a thought about Miles Straw as the game was going on. And we've been so hard on Straw. Um, he doesn't do anything offensively in this game. And we've been so hard on Straw this season for his lack of offense, batting ninth. Uh, it's a 238 batting average right now with a 602 OPS. Uh, the lowest OPS in the starting lineup. Uh, on the day. And I was just thinking, like, if Bell and Ahmed Rosario and, you know, uh, uh, what was his name? The catcher that we ran out of town. Uh, if those guys had actually hit like we wanted them to hit, like if they actually delivered, I, I just feel like in another world where this Guardians offense was delivering all season, and Miles Straw was hitting ninth and hitting 238 with a 602 OPS, a couple of stolen bases. I don't think we would have cared. I think the uh, the fact that the Guardians' offense across the board was so weak that we're just looking at all the positions that were letting us down offensively. And center field is a glaring one. But I think on a team that, like, if you put Miles Straw in center field on the Blue Jays' offense and just bat him ninth, uh, where they have Kevin Kiermaier. But he's hitting 267 with a 739 OPS. He's contributing from down there. Uh, in the Blue Jays offense, I think you could hide Miles Straw. I just think in this Guardians offense, uh, where you need everybody to contribute, he's so exposed. And those offensive numbers are so exposed. And the defense is not enough. It's not. On another team, on a team that can hammer, on the Atlanta Braves, you could hide Miles Straw, right? It's just, yeah, it's he's so exposed here, and we've been hammering him all season because of it. Um, just a miles, random mile straw thought that I had during the game watching him up to up to the plate. Uh, so uh, you got your MVP on the day. I think that wraps things up. Let's let's give Marlon uh, the rest of his email here. Um, there were a couple of key moments that won the Guardians the game. The first was the beautiful relay home from Quanda Arias to Bo Naylor. The second was Bybee striking out Merrifield and Bichette and stranding Kirk on third to end the fifth inning. That's right, Kirk did lead off that fifth inning with a double, and uh, he did. Bybee went to work and held things down. Bybee showed some serious moxie for a rookie by getting out of this jam, Marlon said. Uh, We already talked about Quan getting thrown out at home. Jimenez's defense is outstanding. The play he made on the last out was sensational, and uh, the official score did get it right eventually. They originally gave the error to Jimenez, but they changed it to Classe. So uh, Marlon uh, and Hamilton, uh, Tom Hamilton, were both upset about that. He said, shout out to Ramon Laureano, who had his best game as a guardian in the bullpen for styming the Blue Jays' offense for the last three innings. Also, I want to give a shout out to Bo Naylor for hitting a solo home run on his return home. I love the shot of his family and friends cheering him on as he rounded the bases. Yeah, it's always fun to see when people go back to their hometowns. It's always fun to see him have that moment. He said, I learned of Rokio being optioned to Columbus late last night. 
What was the front office thinking? They brought back Cam Gallagher to carry three catchers. Haas is a clear upgrade over Gallagher. I assumed Haas would make Gallagher redundant, and he'd be DFA'd upon being activated off the seven-day concussion IL. Yet another questionable move in a long of many by the front office. I completely agree. There is absolutely no reason for them to carry these three catchers. They are redundant. Uh, Fry hit a home run. David Fry hit a home run in his first rehab start uh, back. I think I think it was. I don't know if it was with Columbus or Akron. Somebody he hit a home run for um, in a rehab start. So you have to imagine Fry's coming back soon, and one of these catchers has to be DFA'd. They have to when Fry comes back. My only guess is they wanted to focus on Arias at shortstop. And they wanted Rokio to continue playing every day instead of riding the bench here in Cleveland. So he goes back down to Columbus where he can play every day. That's my only thought here. The only way they can get Arias and Rokio at bats was to start one in Columbus and start one in Cleveland for the rest of the season. That has to be it, right? That has to be the decision. It's still ridiculous to carry these three catchers when two of them uh, aren't much offensively. Uh, well, frankly, Bo Naylor hasn't been much offensively, but we have high hopes for him, right? He needs the at-bats to prove he can be something offensively. Um, so, yeah, it is ridiculous to carry these three catchers, but uh, hopefully this decision was made with Rokio's best interest in heart, right? As opposed to, you know, burying the guy back down at AAA. Uh, you know, the best for Arias, the best for Rokio. Uh, they clearly decided that this arrangement was the best for those two guys. Plus, David Fry hopefully coming back, you know, maybe by next series even, uh, hopefully pushes one of these catchers out. It has to. There's no way they're going to carry four catchers on this team. That'd be, that'd be ridiculous even for them. So thank you, Marlon, for the email, Marlon in Birmingham. And uh, yeah, let's wrap this thing up. So thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final again from north of the border. It's the Cleveland Guardians 5, the Toronto Blue Jays 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game just like Marlon does every day, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.